We are going to be uh, continuing a series called Jesus 101, and I really do uh, believe that there is, I don't know, there's, there's like a creative revelation that's, that somebody's going to have during this message, and I don't know how else to put that, it's just a sense of my spirit, and so I just want you to be aware of that and be anticipating that, because it, might, it just might be you. Matthew chapter 8, verse 22, we're continuing our Jesus 101 series, so it's okay if we talk about Jesus, right? We're going to talk about a story about Jesus, and it says, and they came to Bethsaida, and people, some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him, and he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the village, and when he had spit on his eyes, he laid his hands on him, and he said, do you see anything? How'd you like to be in that prayer line? Okay, you get up there, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm blind, I can't see. And then the prayer partner spits in your eyes, right? Maybe you have to be Jesus to do that, I don't know, but that's what happened. And so he spits on his eyes and lays his hands on him and asks him, do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. And then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again and he opened his eyes and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly and he sent him to to his home saying, do not even enter the village. Now, there's several things in this passage, but I do want to say one thing, and this was kind of just prompted by the Holy Spirit last night as I preached this, but if you have prayed for something and haven't fully received it yet, I want you to understand that even those who went to Jesus had that happen. And so if that's you, I want you to know that what Jesus starts, Jesus finishes. And so if that's you, don't be discouraged. Don't live in discouragement over that. But just understand, you may see partially right now, but Jesus is going to bring fulfillment to fulfillment what you now see only partially. And so he goes on, he heals this man. And we asked this question a couple weeks ago, does Jesus still sozo? Now that word is the Greek word that literally means saved, delivered, and healed. And we see him sozoing all the time and see that word all the time throughout the Gospels. And we answer that question, yeah, Jesus still saves, delivers, and heals. And we see it all the time around here at Journey Church. And of course, all over the world, we see it happening as the Spirit of God, the miracles of God, the power of God, as Jesus moves all throughout the planet, because he is almighty. You realize that Jesus is almighty, all-powerful, sits above it all, all of those things. But I have another question for you this week. Here's a question. Do you think Jesus had fun? I don't know what religious box you have, But sometimes we think of Jesus as a lot of things. We think of him as all-powerful, as almighty, which he is. We think of him, sometimes we'll go into a religious box and we'll think that he was very just religious and and very a certain way and would carry himself a certain way. And I know that that several of you guys are kind of like, well, yeah, I believe he had fun. But I want you to sit in that for a little bit. I want you just to imagine that for a little bit. Jesus having fun. To just have fun. Jesus having fun. Because seeing miracles is fun. How many of you guys would agree with that? I mean, seeing miracles is fun. Whenever we see miracles happen, it's a fun thing. It's a fun day. Can you imagine this blind man going back to his family? Can you imagine how much fun they had that day? Can you imagine? He's like, I can see. And they begin to, to show him things that they could only describe to him before. And they're like, this is what I was trying to tell you. This is what it is. Can you imagine that very first sunset as they went to go watch the sunset together? 
This guy who had never maybe seen in his life, he sits down and he watches the sunset with his family. Can you imagine how much fun that would have been for that family? You bet they had fun. You you know, we don't have to over-spiritualize it because I believe that that is a spiritual thing, just to have fun. So I believe they had fun because it is fun to see miracles. And I've seen miracles all throughout my life, growing up in a Christian home, but growing up in a home that trusted God many times when we needed miracles to happen. I remember being six or seven, I can't remember how old I was, but we had uh, come to the end of the finances. As a kid, I didn't understand all what was happening, but all I knew was this. My parents came to us one day and they said, all we have left is rice and chocolate chips. That was all we had in the cupboard. So we are going to have a missionary meal. We're gonna have chocolate rice tonight. And so they made it fun, but you know, I don't know what missionaries have chocolate rice, but we thought some missionary must have chocolate rice out there. And so we had chocolate rice. Basically, it was our last meal. We didn't know it. We had no other, they had no other means of getting anything for the next morning. And I remember as a kid waking up that next morning, and as my parents opened up the door of the front door, there were 21 bags of groceries on the front door. That was a fun day. That was a fun day seeing God just do something unexpected. And I can tell you story after story after story like that. Because when you live a life of faith, and when you long to see miracles, and when you believe that God is a miracle God, you see miracles. And it's fun to see miracles. Let me tell you about a recent miracle in my life. Uh, over the, you know, when we started Journey Church, I've told this story before, but man, we... We sold everything. We just did everything we could just to get down here and just to, I mean, bare bones it. We, I couldn't afford a cup of coffee. And so, and that was the literal truth. I mean, we had everything. We were out of debt, but just living off of nothing just to get this church going for years. And then over the years, we've, we've kind of grown out of that, but we've still found that we, over the years, are still catching up from all of the things that we had to do in those years in the past. So there are things that we find that we're still replacing that maybe were old then, but we tried to make last, and they were broken then, we tried to make last, or somebody gave to us, it was a hand-me-down of some sort, and we tried to make last, and now we're still catching up with replacing all of the things from the years that were the tight years. And so I've got into this habit of trying to make everything last. And so one of the things I was trying to make last was my vehicle, because I, had a, I was driving around a 2004 uh, vehicle with over 200,000 miles on it. Things kept breaking on it, but I'm like, I am going to drive this thing as long until the wheels fall off. I'm going to drive this thing. How many of you guys have a vehicle like that? And because I'm in that mode of, like, I have to make this last. And so I was driving this thing and trying to fix it, trying to repair it myself. The, most people didn't know this, but the air conditioner was out uh, for a couple years. So every summer, I would just sweat it out. I mean, every summer, I would drive to church or I'd drive to a meeting and I'd just pray. It was a short drive. I'd drive with the windows down. Fortunately, my hair doesn't get messed up. So that was a benefit. Uh, and, and so I would just try to make this thing last. And I was praying to God. I was like, God, I just need this to last a couple more years because I'm saving up some money just so I can get some sort of vehicle to replace this that would at least have air conditioning. And so, uh, so that was kind of the mode that I was in even up to a couple months ago. And then out of the blue, someone came to me and they said, we believe that God spoke to us to give you some money towards a vehicle. And to my knowledge, they didn't know about all of these other things that were going on specifically with my vehicle. 
but they, they felt like they were supposed to give me some money towards a vehicle. And as I looked at the number, the number was a very large amount, at least to me, it was a very large amount, very large amount. And so I was able to put some of the money that I had saved with this generous gift towards to me and our family and to be able to buy a brand new vehicle. It was amazing. Can we just celebrate God, God's hand in that? And, and here's what I know. Now, some, here's what you need to know. If we wanna start living around blessing, we have to get good at celebrating other people's blessings. And so thank you for celebrating with me. I made you do it, but thank you for celebrating <laughs> that. But I'm trying to help us that if we want to see that, we have to get good at celebrating other people's blessings. And I got in there the other day, it was one of the hotter days, and I turned on the air conditioner, I was just, thank you, Lord, for air conditioning. <laughs> it's gonna be a great summer. Thank you, Lord, for air conditioning. And as much fun as that was for me, do you know who had more fun or who was more blessed? The person who gave it. And that's not me saying that. In fact, Jesus said that, if you go to the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, this is, a, this is interesting about this, this thing that Jesus says. It's not found in any of the Gospels. This is the place where it's recorded, so it kind of stands out that Jesus said this. And in your Bible, if you actually have a physical Bible, it's most likely it's going to be in red. It's going to be Jesus' words. And it says, in all things, this is Paul talking, or Luke is recording all of these things in the scriptures and he records this in this thing. But he says, in all things, as Paul's talking, that I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, and here he goes, he says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed. So here's what I want you to catch. It's fun to see miracles, but it's more fun to be miracles. If I might take just a little bit of liberty with that scripture where he talks about it's more blessed to give. Let me just, just take a little bit of liberty with that. It's more fun to give than to receive. This is only true for unselfish people. Because if you're a selfish person, a self-centered person, a self-focused person, there's no way how you will catch that it is more fun to give than to receive. But if you start to get the spirit of God in you, the heart of God in you, because you never look more like God than when you give, if you start to get the heart of God in you, then all of a sudden you, a door opens and it is more fun to give than to receive. So as much fun as that was for me, I'm telling you, According to Jesus, it's more blessed, it's more fun for the person who was able to be the giver. Why is that? Because for there to be miracles in your life, if you need a miracle, guess what happened? If you need a miracle, for there to be a miracle, there must first be a problem. So if you're praying for a miracle in your life or praying to see more miracles in your life, you either have a problem or you're praying for more to happen before you get the miracle. How much more fun would it be to be the miracle for somebody else who has a problem, right? That's what, I believe that's part of what Jesus is saying. That it's more fun to give, to be the miracle, than it is to need a miracle and receive one. So the question is, did Jesus have fun? Well, I think Jesus had a ton of fun because Jesus was a miracle happening wherever he went. He was being the miracle wherever he went. But there are times when we run into problems and we need to see miracles. And here's, here's the good news. Jesus is a miracle working God. 
Now, I have a friend who's a pastor in Tennessee. They're one, they pastor one of our sister churches called New Tribe Church in Tennessee. And over the last year, they've had a lot of problems. They've had a lot of need for miracles. Uh, a couple, uh, like about a year ago, about this time, there was a tornado that ripped through their community, devastated their community, tore it all up completely. And so they were trying to reach out to the community and to do all of these things. And, and it was just a bad deal. And they were doing everything that they could to help. And then two weeks later, the pandemic hit and they had to shut everything down. And then they had to go into all of that, in which all we, we've experienced all of that. And they had to navigate all that. During that time, he had to do two funerals in his church that were very tragic situations. Very tragic situations. A couple months ago, he buried his father, who died of a heart attack. And then the week before Easter, just a couple weeks ago, a flood came and ripped through their church. I mean, like three feet high throughout the whole church, devastated the whole church. That sounds like Paul saying, listen, I've been in prison, I've been beaten, I've been, you know, all this stuff. How many of you guys know that sounds like a problem? So now they are with, I mean, that's like quite a year. Now they're without, they need a miracle, right? They need a miracle. Can I tell you what fun we had last week? what we would be able to do as a church to help them as a sister church. Last week, we sent them a $25,000 check to help bail them out. Yeah, let's celebrate that. We were able to do that because of your faithful giving. We were able to do that because uh, of our generosity as a church, because we decided as a church that we're gonna be a church that doesn't have a closed hand, but we're gonna be a church that has an open hand. And then when we see a need, when we see a miracle that needs to happen, it's fun for us to see miracles as a church, but it's more for, fun for us as a church to be miracles. Can I tell you how much fun I had signing that check last week? That's fun. It's fun, it's fun to see miracles. It's more fun to be miracles. Now, Pastor Jared uh, wanted to send us a video to uh, kind of thank all of us, so I'm going to show that right now. Let's watch. Hey, on behalf of New Tribe Church, we just wanted to say thank you so much for your church's generosity. Uh, the love, the outpouring we received through contributions, prayer, and encouragement have simply been overwhelming. And the first two weeks being pushed out of our building really have been such a life-giving time for our church. We're already seeing growth. We're already seeing people give their lives to Jesus. And we just walked out of a meeting planning our next water baptism service. Meeting in a basketball gym now is a whole new experience, but we're actually finding that people in the community that had never heard of our church are now thinking about coming to our church. So from New Tribe Church, to yours, we say thank you, we love you, and we're so glad to be a part of this kingdom together. It's awesome. It's so fun to be miracles to other people. So I wanna share with you four ways or four things you need to know about being the miracle today. And this is gonna help somebody out. I really do believe there's going to be a revelation for somebody in all of this. The first thing I want you to know is this, that number one, being the miracle takes your blessing and turns it into a seed. 
You may not realize this, but this is what happens. That when you bless somebody else, when you become the miracle for someone else, it actually simultaneously becomes a seed that gets buried into the ground for your next harvest. This is a principle of God. This is a principle that happens in in God. See, here's the thing. I believe that as we as a church have sown a seed into new tribes building, we're going to one day reap a harvest for our building. Because many of you guys know over the last few years, we've been looking for a a place. We've been needing some things. And so what we did just last week is we got some seed in the ground. Our ability to bless somebody else becomes a seed. And how many of you guys know when a seed is put in the ground, it's not the seed that comes back out, but it's multiplied, right? That's what the the scriptures talk about. Years ago when we first started, one of our sister churches in Oklahoma, they felt like they didn't have a lot, but they felt like they were supposed to give us something to help us get started uh, at the very beginning. And they gave us, out of their generosity, gave us $2,500, which was a sacrifice for them. And it was a huge game changer for us. You know what we were able to do last year? We were able to write them a $10,000 check just for their food pantry to help keep feeding people last year. See, what happened is they placed seed in the ground in 2006 or 2007. And that seed was buried for a long time, but it began to grow. It began to grow. And one time, and then finally, when they had an opportunity, that seed was able to bring a harvest back into their life. Your blessing turns into a seed. This blessing ultimately became a seed that produced a harvest in their life. And so here's what I'm trying to tell you. If someone is trying to bless you, don't deny their seed. See, I've told you guys a lot about how I've had a hard time receiving before, and then God has slowly been working that off of me where I'm having to receive bigger and bigger things. And so much so that it's even hard for me to sometimes share, like I shared that story about how God blessed. That's sometimes hard for me to share that. But listen, I I found that it's a very selfish thing for me to try to deny someone else their seed. Because God is trying to get, here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to get seed in the ground. He wants us to get seed in the ground. And if someone is trying to bless you, don't deny their seed. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 10 says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of righteousness, of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. This isn't just finances I'm talking about today, guys. This is every way. We'll discover this here in a little bit. But you are going to be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So your blessing Takes, your, your, your blessing can turn into a seed. All right, number two is this. You have to know, understand about being the miracle. Being the miracle is simply getting outside of yourself. As I said before, you can't be selfish and be the miracle. You have to be willing to get outside of yourself. And so you being the miracle may be simply giving somebody money who's in need or blessing them that way. It may be bringing them a blessing bag, basket of something at a time when you don't know why it's going to mean anything to them, but you're prompted by the Holy Spirit to give this, and all of a sudden, it's a game changer for them. But it's simply getting outside of yourself. It could be partnering with them in prayer for their healing, where you connect with them and God, and you see healing happen. That may be getting outside of yourself. It may be going to your prayer closet and praying for someone instead of praying for yourself. It simply means getting outside of yourself. 
It may be delivering a right now word to somebody. I can't tell you how many times somebody brought me a right now word that was a game changer when they decided to get outside of themselves and to stop only trying to hear God for themselves and to give something away. It doesn't just have to be money. It's anything that you do to get outside of yourself to plant seed in someone else. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard of this or not, but years ago, and I think, I don't know if a radio station started this or what, but they started this thing called Pastor Appreciation. Have you guys have heard of this? It's like every October, all of a sudden, it's like, give your pastor a mug or something. I don't know. But it's this Pastor Appreciation thing. And so it's kind of a culture thing in different churches. And so it, it seeped its way into Journey Church years ago. And people wanted to do something, which was amazing that people wanted to, to do that. Well, long story short, it just, one thing after the other, just kept getting messy and weird and awkward and all sorts of stuff. And so I'm like, I'm canceling pastor appreciation. We don't need to appreciate it. We are canceling appreciation. And Pastor Aaron and I talk about this all the time. And, and we really are serious that it's like, I don't need to be appreciated for what I do because I have a calling of God. My yes was not contingent upon a pat on the back. My yes was just simply yes to God. And I've got a mission and I'm gonna keep going and I'm not gonna stop going just because I don't feel appreciated. I don't even need appreciation. And I, re and, and I really mean, I really don't feel like I need appreciation, but here's something I discovered over the last year. I don't know if I need appreciation or not, but here's what I do need. I do need encouragement. And I discovered that appreciation and encouragement are two different things. Sometimes we wrap them together and we think, oh, I'm not appreciate, but what we really need is encouragement. And that can be a right now word. And I discovered that I do need encouragement. You know, that, that word encouragement means literally to put courage in someone else. I need people from time to time to put courage in me to do what God has called me to do. I don't always need a pat on the back, but I need somebody to put courage in me. You know what discouragement means? It means to take courage out. And so if you're walking in discouragement, someone, something, some situation has taken the courage out of you so that you can't fulfill what God has called you to do. And so what, what I'm saying, like even 1 Corinthians chapter 14, when it talks about a prophetic word, in verse 3 it says, on the other hand, the one who prophesies, this would be like a right now word, speaks to people for three things, for their upbuilding, their encouragement, and consolation or comfort. So a prophetic word is going to be uplifting, it's going to be encouragement, it's going to be comforting you in some way. So if someone comes and prophesies to you that you're going to have seven bad days in a row, teeth fall out, car accident, and your mom won't love you, that's probably not from God. It's probably not. I'm just, just I'm guessing. But, but I, I'm telling you, I need people in my life who are going to put courage into me. And that can be a miraculous thing. Now, here's what I want you to catch before we move on. The thing that I, in fact, I think I'm wired for it. I think I'm wired to need encouragement from you. But the thing that I need is also the thing I need to be for someone else. Because it's fun when I receive encouragement. But according to the principles of Jesus, it's more fun when I can be the encouragement. See, being the miracle means getting outside of ourselves. All right, number three, I'm gonna move on. But this, is a, this next one's a big deal. Being the miracle takes God-sized vision. Even littler things 
really require a God's eye view to, to see them happen. It's not necessarily size, but it is God vision instead of our own vision. Now, I've kind of got a reputation, if you know me very well, for maybe possibly overly researching things. Does anybody, do we have any over-researchers in the house? Just wanted to know. I mean, I will research for three months. I will study websites. I will do all this type of stuff just to buy a bowl. You know, it's like, is this a good color? You know, is this, what are, what colors are there? What does that do to my mood? You know, all these different things just to buy something, right? Uh, you know, some people ca- might call it a miser. I call it the biblical word of stewardship, um, which you all need to get on track with that. But no, so, so much so that I was having, like a year ago, I had hernia surgery. I was coming home from hernia surgery. I'm in the passenger seat. Becca's driving. I'm in a medical-induced coma by the drugs they have me on. I'm barely awake at all. I don't even know where I'm at. But we pull up to the Walgreens to the drive through to pick up some medication. And I hear... Just vaguely, like in a fog, I hear Becca talking about talking to this person about medication, and then I heard the price. And I was like, no, 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 no. I think we have a discount with our insurance. Sure enough, we did. We got a discount, and I went back into my medical induced coma. <laughs> true story. It's a true story. And that's great, you know, if we want to be a good steward. But when it comes to being the miracle, we want to take the lid off just a little bit. In fact, we want to take the lid off a lot. I like this story that John Bevere wrote in his book. He used this, uh, this illustration in his book, Good or God. And he talks about this multi-billionaire who wanted to be generous and wanted to fund three entrepreneurs, up-and-coming entrepreneurs that didn't have the resources. He wanted to fund them. And he, he called them in one by one, and he said, listen, I'm a multi-billionaire. I have, all, I have the ability to write any check, basically, that you can basically dream up. I, I just want to fund your idea. I don't want anything back in return. Let me know what it would take to fund your dream. And so the first one came in and they said, well, I've always wanted to start a bakery and it's just been my dream. I just haven't been able to do that. And the multi-billionaire said, okay, well, what, what do you need? And he's like, well, I guess I would need, you know, I'd need to buy, you know, rent a storefront. I would need to have, you know, equipment and we need to do all these, and they started calculating all these things up, and they said, well, okay, how much do you need? Well, I need ovens and all this stuff. It's probably going to be $100,000. And he was like, okay. Wrote the check, done. $100,000. Can you imagine that day? That would be an amazing thing, right? I don't want anything in return. Go have fun. Next person comes in and says, well, what's your dream? I, I feel like I'm supposed to fund your dream and explain the whole thing to him. And he said, well, I've always wanted to be a home builder, but I just, it's just out of my league. I can't, I can't do this. And he said, well, what would you need? He's like, well, I'd need to buy lots and I would need to buy some trucks and to buy some materials to get started and all this type of stuff. He's like, how much money do you need? Well, it'd probably be about a quarter of a million dollars. He said, all right, I'm gonna wrote the check, done. Give him a quarter of a million dollars, have fun. The next one came in, the lady came in, and he's like, well, what's your dream? And she said, well, I've always wanted to transform, basically transform a city. I've wanted to build condominiums and to hotels and, like, theme park and just all of these things, you know, these office complexes, these beautiful streets and all these type of things. And he's like, well, what would you need to do that? And she begins to lift, list off all of these things and parks and hotels and, and uh, all of the, you know, high rises and needs a 1,000 acres of prime real estate in the city. He's like, how much money do you need? $245 million. He's like, okay. Wrote a check for $245 million. Done. There you go. Three years later, he calls them back in just to see how things are going. It's like, I wonder, wonder what's going on. And so calls them back in, and 
the, the first one comes in, or it calls them back in together, actually. And the first, he's like, okay, what, what's happened with your bakery? And the person says, man, things are going well. Actually, things have, I mean, we've made it through all the small business struggles, and now we're netting a couple thousand a month. That's pretty good, right? To have a couple thousand a month profit on top of everything else. He said, that's great. That's great. And he talked to the next one, the home builder, and said, how are things going with you? He said, well, things have been going great. In fact, you know, we've sold four houses now. We're getting ready to do another wave of that. And, and uh, you know, we've got uh, $200,000 in the bank now as a result of that just in three years. That's a pretty good time. And he was like, man, that's, that's great. So then he went over to the, the lady with the all the stuff that she wanted to do, and she starts to list off all the things. She said, well, you know, 90% of the hotels that I built are filled, 87% of the offices are filled, the condominiums are sold out, 90% of the high-rises and the stores and the restaurants are all filled out. The profit is in the millions per month. She was doing so well that she was able to open up food kitchens to help different people in need. She was able to take some of the profits and begin to start the same thing in a different city and had a plan in three to five years to start the same thing in six other cities. And the first two just sat there quiet. And then finally, one of them broke out and said, well, of course she would do better. You gave her a whole lot more to work with. And so he went back over and he pulled out the report of when they made the request. And he said, I didn't, re- I didn't put any limits on it. Why didn't you ask for more equipment? Why didn't you ask for more resources? Why didn't you ask for more things? I, didn't, I said I wasn't going to have you pay it back. Why didn't you ask for more things? See, here's what you have to understand. He was saying the blessing wasn't limited Their vision was. He didn't give according to the limits of his potential to bless them. He gave to the limits of their vision. And what I'm saying is the lid needs to come off for somebody right now. Because you've been living in this idea of I need a miracle mentality. I need a miracle. And that's fun to see miracles. And some of you are living in this mentality of I want to be the miracle for someone else. And that's great. That's even more fun. But somebody here needs to catch the idea that maybe God wants you to be the miracle for thousands. His blessing isn't limited. His ability isn't limited. He he marries provision with vision. And you may have the vision now and not see the provision. Why is it? Because there's always a distance between when the seed is in the ground and when the harvest comes. And the time between when the seed is in the ground and when the harvest comes is when most people quit. It's when most people give up. Because they've forgotten the law of the harvest. They've forgotten the law of God of the seed. And we see this in scripture where Jesus uses this example of a guy who who gave somebody, you know, one bag or two bags of silver and what they did with it versus the guy who had five. And he comes back in Matthew chapter 25, verse 20, he says, the servant to which he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. Listen, he got the largest of all of them, yet it was still considered a small amount. See, our vision sometimes is too small. And he says, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. All right, number four. 
Being the miracle means trusting God as our source. The reason why many people will not be the miracle is because they believe that as soon as it leaves their hand, it leaves their life. The reason many of us won't be the miracle is because we believe that what we have in our hand is all the potential we have. Whether it be our talent, our job, our skill set, our relationships, we really, we say we trust God, but when it comes down to it, all we really believe is what we currently have in our hand. But 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says, and God will, give, will generously provide all that you need, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Though it leaves our hand, it never leaves our life. I'm gonna have the worship team come back up and share a story as they do. And I've shared this before, but I believe it's uh, important for us to hear because I want you to see this, that if you are in need of a miracle right now, God is still a miracle working God. Let's first establish that. And that God provides for your need even before you know you have one. Let me say it a different way. That when God gives you a vision, he's already provided for the vision even before you had the vision. It may seem like it's tearing, but the Bible says that God does not tarry in his time. It's seed in the ground. He's working things out that maybe you don't understand. He's working things out. But I've shared this before, but when we first moved down here, we rented a place and we had to put a deposit on a rental. How many of you guys know you had to put a deposit? Why? Because if you tear something up, they need to pay for it with your money and not theirs, right? And so I came with four young kids and when you have four young kids, you never expect to get your deposit back. You just writing that one off, right? And so we went and we moved out of that rental and we were in a, a small house that we bought just not too far from here. And, and one day I was getting the mail and I sat down and I opened up the mail and it was a check for most of our deposit back. I was shocked. I was like, do these people not look around the house to see what we did? You know, we... You know, I, I was not expecting, I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, hundreds of dollars. And again, at the time when we couldn't afford a cup of coffee, okay? Uh, hundreds of dollars that we did not expect that were above and beyond our budget. I was overjoyed. I set the piece of mail down, the check that I was so happy about. And I pick up the very next piece of mail and I open it up. Guess what it is? It's a bill that's unexpected for about exactly the same amount as the check I just received. And for a moment, I was upset. But then I was like, oh, I see what you did, God. I see what you did. You you're teaching me that you provided for my need even before I knew I had a need. That's what God does. That's what God does. And if you want to be, a, be the miracle, you have to really establish in your heart who your source is, that it's not your job, that it's not your creative idea even. It's not your intellect. It's not, God will use all of those things, okay? Don't get me wrong. God uses all those things. But, the, but those things are never our source. Those things are never our source. Last scripture here, Matthew chapter six, verse 19. It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This can be applied more than just to money because we wanna leave this life fully spent. Would you guys stand up with me as we get ready to prepare our hearts to worship one more time?
We want to leave this life fully spent. When it comes to wealth or comes to giving things away, the reason Jesus says this is not because wealth many times runs out or has an end. It's because from your perspective, wealth or anything you possess will always come to an end at the end of this life. You can't take it with you. And neither can you take the encouraging words for other people that God places in your heart. You can't take those with you. Neither can you take the, the attitude, the aroma. You know, the Bible talks about the aroma of who we are, the aroma of Christ. Listen, if we leave, if there's something that's in us that's for someone else that we're supposed to deposit in somebody else, when we, get, when we go into eternity, we're going into eternity. There's only a few things we can take with us into eternity. That's our relationship with God, right? There are some things here that we need to leave on the field while we're here. And that's what it means, not just to see miracles, but to be miracles. So if you'd close your eyes for just a moment and just use your faith imagination. Could it be that God has you here today because he wants to bring a revelation a vision of what he wants you to do in your life that's not for you, but it's for someone else. Could it be that he wants to give you, he wants to take off the lid? Could it be that he's going to give you a creative idea from heaven right now? Could it be that he's going to deposit love for people that you haven't been able to muster up on your own? Could it be that he wants to unlock something in you today? Can we just give him a little space to speak to our hearts right now? And God is confirming things in people right now. I just sense that. He's confirming things that he said in the past that you said on the shelf. And I feel like he's removing things because again, I believe this is a year of loss, but I believe he's removing some things that you have held as your dream, that he wants to do something brand new that's better, that's better. Some of, some of us, I don't, know, I, I don't know why I'm supposed to say this, but some of us have a mixture right now. We have a mixture of our dream with God, but we've called it God's. Can we set that back up on the shelf for a little bit and say, God, will you sort that out for me and hand it back to me with what you have for me? wipe the slate clean right now and I say God here's the chalkboard right now just begin to diagram the plans that you have for me begin to write them afresh and anew right now oh write them on our hearts so that we know that it's not our thing it's not my thing write them on my heart God so that I know that when times get tough and courage tries to get taken out of me, that we can go back to the calling that you've written on our hearts. Lord, we thank you for that.
God, I just pray right now that this word would be like a seed in hearts. That this word gets implanted. That's your word. Your word always goes forth and it accomplishes what it's going to do. And so we, we declare this word is implanted in our heart. And you might declare that over your life right now. This word is not gonna to fall to the wayside. This word is not gonna get choked out by the thorns of distractions. This word is not going to be uh, falling on hard ground. I want this word to be on good soil in my heart. You might have to tend to that word. You might have to pull some weeds out of that word. You might have to do some things to, to cultivate that, to water that. But Lord, we don't wanna just see miracles. We wanna be miracles. And we thank you for your empowerment to do that. And we worship you because you have been the miracle to us that you died on the cross for our sins. You rose from the dead. You give us victory. You empower us to live this life you called us to. You've opened up the curtain. If we're talking about a curtain being ripped open, you opened up the curtain so that we could have access to relationship with you. And we thank you for that. And we worship you. We worship you. Let's worship one more time.